2: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV,
4: we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
6: Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert
5: and Brandon Atkins.
7: Thank you, Greta! This is Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent hanging out, and we're gonna light the world on fire today. What's Dragon wrong, guys? Dragon style.
8: Dragon style. Huh?
7: Dragon style. Sports. Sports. I want Game of Thrones, man. Game of Thrones is back on. You know, it, it's got America's... <laughs> I love it. Game of Thrones. Is there anybody in America not watching Game of Thrones? Me. Really? Are you not going to watch, or do you just miss the, the newest episode?
9: This is why when we were talking about Off Air, I was nervous, because two years ago, their MO is they kill off your favorite characters, and I wrote them off. I was like, I'll never watch the show again. Since then... My brother has been going, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I plan on binge watching about two seasons worth when I get a chance, when I have time. So please no sp- give me the spoiler alert right. so I can run out of the room.
7: So in the first episode, let me tell you what happens. <laughs> No, Trent. You a Game of Thrones guy?
8: I am a, a huge Game of Thrones guy.
7: All right. So since we can't spoil it for Mister Binge Watcher here, so Ned know. Stark's still good, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ned's still good. Ned's still good. No, that. Uh, where does that rank in the pantheon of television series for you? Uh,
8: yeah, I think it's it's probably in the top three. I okay. think 24 really changed oh. everything about TV for me because it was the original show for me that was like, they're not going to do that. Oh my God, they did that. Right. You know, and so 24 and Lost are really hard to beat, but Game of Thrones is a heck of a ride.
7: So, 24, what'd you think of this latest one with Dr. Dre playing 20, <laughs> playing. <laughs> playing the lead how'd that go
8: you know it was all right but man i'm a jack bauer i had a a pug that i named jack bauer after that has uh passed away i i can't watch 24 without jack bauer
7: that's pretty that's pretty you had a pug named jack bauer yeah
8: he's actually wow. tattooed his name right on my uh my heart
7: i can't tell you during the course of my life how many people have stopped me to tell me you look just like Kiefer sutherland Seriously. Can hmm. you see the resemblance? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like three feet taller than Kiefer Sutherland, but that's for real. My wife can attest. She's been there when it's happened. Yeah. A lot more hair. Yeah, a lot more nah, hair. No, I
9: just too. squinted my eyes. You look like him. <laughs> all right. You look just like him.
7: So 24, and you – all right, so you said top three. So you get 24 Game of Thrones, and what's the other – Lost. Lost. Ah, yeah, you did say that. Brandon, to top To me, it three. reminds me more like of
9: a Sopranos because it's a weekly show, right?
7: The, this is like the
9: Sopranos with dragons. Right. Sopranos, for, for me, it was a stupid show, but True Blood is responsible for a lot of babies out there. Wow. Just think about it. All right. If you really think
7: about it, <laughs> responsible
9: for a lot of babies.
7: <laughs> All right. So True Blood, I like True Blood, but it's not my top three. I, I would go with you. 24 is my number one. I'm going to go Game of Thrones 2 and... And Mad Men at three. Mm. Did you do the whole Mad Men thing? Did you get into I, that?
8: I, I didn't get into Mad Men. The one show I regretted that I didn't get in was Breaking Bad. Oh. Did you do that? I I didn't do it.
7: Have you not seen that? I,
8: I've seen two episodes. And oh, I brother. I didn't see it. I'm Listen. with you,
9: Trent. I watched the first two. And at some point, you have to cut the cord on some of these shows that are just going to be time drainers. You know what Listen. I mean? you gotta you got to go, oh, okay, I'm about to have a problem.
7: But okay. I think...
8: That it gets better after the first couple of shows, maybe whatever, but I just didn't get it.
7: No, I, I it was goes... late. I, anybody out there, and you two guys included, who hasn't done Breaking Bad, that is the, some of the greatest television. Bryan Cranston gives, in by my estimation, probably the best performance ever. Hmm. That is a, a wonderful, wonderful TV show, and it's not in my top three, but it's four or five. So if you're going to choose something to binge watch, Breaking Bad can't give it any more higher an endorsement than that. That's really good. Now Mad Men, when my wife my wife and I got married, I didn't even really I didn't know know what Mad Men was. Yeah, and she turned me on to it. It was her show, and I watched the first couple episodes of whatever season it was, and I was like, oh, I got to go back and do this. And Lost is another one. I'd never watched Lost. I had never seen an episode of Lost. And she was like, I really want you to watch this. And we ended up binge-watching the whole thing. I can't put it in my top three because only season one is that good. Mm -hmm. Season two is pretty good, and then after that, you know, it's ridiculous. It's all changed. it's, It's always sunny
9: in Philadelphia was one for me. That show was just funny. I could go... Rabbit hole down that true blood was kind of a joke for me,
7: but I mean, there are people that are true blood fans like that. And I we watched the show even up to the end when they kind of ran out of storylines and they ran out of creatures,
10: mm-hmm. you
7: know, they were really sort of well, pushing
10: even the envelope.
7: Sookie said it herself, like, I'm a fairy, how lame is that? <laughs> <laughs> right? <You know? laughs> so, what are you, what do you guys? When we're talking about television shows and we're talking about binge-watching, is there going to be anybody out there binge-watching NBA Summer League? No, I don't think they'll be binge-watching it,
9: but I think ESPN, who's now running the Summer League, they have
11: <laughs>
9: they have. – I've never heard it called the Vegas Finals. Like the Lakers are moving on to the Lakers Finals. They've really – you can tell they've really tried to remarket – summer league i don't binge watch i'll follow because we have this show and i like basketball but
7: no here's my memo to espn this is why people hate you yeah you've taken a, a cool thing basketball fans dig this summer league is really cool the fact that it's available and accessible and they've got it going the way it is is great and we're watching it for the value that it holds all by itself. We don't need you to turn this thing into a soap opera. We don't need you to overhype it and talk about, you know, and, and create a championship name and all the rest of that and create storylines and drama. What I'd really like for you to do is shut up during the telecast and actually attempt to do some sort of play-by-play instead of constantly trotting out interviews with folks nobody wants to hear aren't they the consummate overthinkers? always you know last night i mean you
9: got me espn i stayed up till midnight last night watching street fighter competitions on your channel Hmm. and no i'm not kidding it was people playing (laughs) video games against one another one one another I watched that.
7: <laughs> You're ridiculous. What?
8: They had one before that for the new Nintendo, like Mario Smash Brothers 2 or something. They Dude, were playing da, video games. Dalcine
7: was tearing it up last <laughs> night. <laughs> That's awesome. Can we get him on the show? I'll try. Here, here's, my it's thing was, reach. here's my thing with Summer League. And, and this has really irritated me. And I've watched a lot of this stuff. And I've got, I don't know, 16, 25, 50 on DVR that I will go back and I'll I'll go through. It is very, very frustrating that you're watching basketball and you're trying to sift through the prospects and keep your eye on guys that might shine and we can't even get any play-by-play through it. I don't need play-by-play during the NBA season. I know all those guys. This is where I want somebody to actually tell you who's on the floor at, some, at any particular point Give you some kind of running commentary, but that would be hard because they are not familiar with these guys. Get somebody in there that wants to do work instead of cutting up and trying to be funny and trotting out these interviews in the middle of the doggone game.
9: Well, and they're playing catch-up. Chris, we could go back and take clips of our show. How many times did we talk about Jason Tatum? Gotcha. I mean, we could go and literally run an hour of just clips of Jason Tatum Takes between you and myself, and they had a week's worth of ESPN chatter based on well, where does this you know Jason Tatum guy come
7: from? Right. It's like they jump on something, and like, you, you they, would think he played it. You know, North Dakota State. Right. It's unbelievable how lazy the coverage is, and it, it's just mind-boggling. But I don't know why ESPN can't get it. The drama is what's on, what's going on on the floor.
8: But it's not about the shoes that somebody's. Wearing.
7: Dude, I'm so sick of that idiot and his was. dad and those shoes. I'm sick to death, and ESPN's responsible for it.
8: Yeah, but every day he's wearing different shoes. Awesome. I, I mean, when he plays barefoot, about, right?
7: I'll be interested. Do you see what Bryce Johnson said?
9: No, he took he took homeboy to the, um, he took ball to the hole and dunked on him. And when asked about it after the game, he says, Just imagine what
7: I could have done with some shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Johnson, Tar Heel, I love you. Well, like Joel Joel Embiid did, he'll probably get fined. You know, the balls are apparently off limits. You see, did you see Embiid got Mm-mm. fined $10,000? No, I did not. Well, they had the War of, Words, uh, War of Words going on between the Ball family and Embiid. And... Uh, Embiid finally had enough and went to Twitter and basically, well, not basically, did say, "F, Lavar Ball." Ooh. How does the NBA? Where do they have the jurisdiction to fine him ten thousand dollars? You know, I thought the players were running the league. I didn't think you know anybody could be fined for what they do on social media. Well, he can't. What he was. He, didn't he can't end. say that Markel Fultz told him how to use Twitter though. <laughs> You can't blame it on that. (laughs) Insert expletive here.
8: (laughs) Is this the most, though, the the coverage of the Summer League? Because, I mean, this is like just watching college All-Star games. It's new. They don't have their names on the jerseys, so you can't really tell who who is who.
7: My point, exactly. And after they run the graphic with the opening lineups, you wouldn't even know what's going on. No. I'm an astute enough observer I can go, and there's guys that I can pick off, and once I identify, oh, okay, that's who that is, I've got it. But unless it's one of the you know top 15 picks in the draft, they don't even want to talk about the guys. And it's really frustrating. I ESPN can't get it right because they're trying to add quote-unquote entertainment value. I don't need entertainment value. I'm a sports Fan. Well, Chris, are they not getting it right because this is the slowest sports
9: time of the year if you're if you do not like baseball, it's absolutely ground to a crawl here. and, I, and doesn't ESPN have the three v three? The, the basketball, the ice cube? No, three I, think that's I, think I think that's
7: FS1. Okay,
9: yeah, so Fox. it makes sense. They're trying to put something up against that right now to maybe, you know, compete with that 3v3. So maybe they do know what they're talking about, and it's just annoying anyway.
8: Well, I have people coming in asking for, hey, can you get the Laker game on? I'm like, what are you talking
7: Summer I like League. It. I like it. You're
8: coming in to watch Summer League.
7: Well, Kobe, he's, he's on. They start at seven. I don't know. I'm frustrated. We'll talk about it more on the other side.
0: We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com.
11: There's strong and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
10: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now there's not a moment to lose
11: every dollar counts every day counts to find out how
2: you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org. my name is Bobby I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb my victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion
3: I'm Sam I'm a veteran my victory was finding a career that I could be proud of at DAV we're on a mission
4: Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
3: I'm CeCe. My
5: victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to
5: From the Cheap
7: All right, welcome back. We're talking about television and ESPN and Dragons and some knucklehead shoes. I'm not even going to say his name. I've had my fill. Um, Summer League continues to roll on. I'm serious that I probably have 30 games on my DVR right now, that I I have been going through them as I can. I think it's compelling stuff.
8: But, Chris, how much do you think this – I mean – how much is this translating into how these guys are going to project in like four months from now to for you so whatever if somebody's blowing it up now what is your thought on that well
7: here's the thing there's certainly value in blowing it up now i don't know that it's a really truly accurate predictor stat wise but the guys that are having a good summer Assuming that they do that, they have a similar role in the coming season. I think there there definitely is a correlation. This obviously isn't the same talent level they're going to face when when the NBA season rolls around. So,
8: like when what Ball's doing now, how's he going to do that against Chris Paul? He's not. You know not. what I mean? Or a defender? You know, is that going to translate? That's what I'm. I'm curious because it's like I said, it's kind of almost like it's guys trying to make the team, which I get. But it's also kind of like, you know, the the college all-star game. They're just playing to see what they can do, but how is that going to translate?
7: Well, I think that some of these guys are sort of going through the motions and just playing to be playing. But a lot of these guys, this they their shot. You know, this is sort of – that's the drama for me in this, is some of these guys that are fringe players, you know, how they perform here is going to determine whether they're playing – you know as the 8th or ninth or 10th or 12th guy off the bench um for an nba team with the potential or, or with the opportunity to be a starter one day and do whatever or if they're going to be playing, you know, in the second division in israel or next in the year league or whatever yeah. yeah so that's what i'm looking for and i'm trying to sift through and see what i can see um just because i enjoy the competition and it's legitimate competition for that. This, To me, it's not exhibition basketball. These guys have legitimately got something on the line, and it's almost like a um, preseason NFL, but without the starters playing at all. It would be as though the second and third string were in there, you know, the starters stayed home. Mm-hmm. You'd get some competitive games because those guys are playing for their lunch. So I like that. What I was kind of thinking about last night was, what's the equivalent when you talk in terms of talent you know is this if you if you relate it to the major leagues is it triple a is this double a is this a ball is it rookie league and i think probably double a or triple a i mean these guys are the next best group of players in the world probably i don't know what do you think?
8: I think it's kind of like I think you, it's kind of splattered. You have those superstars that are right there, so it's the AAA. But then you've got those guys that are the lifelong AAA ball players, which some of these guys are kind of that lifelong journeyman trying to get that spot hey, I'll go over to Maine, you know, the the lobsters and play and then get called up for a 10-day contract. So they're trying to make a name. So, yeah, I think it's more of the, the AAA.
7: What I'm wondering and what I think would make this even more compelling and, and from a business standpoint would make sense to me, I would like to see some of these European prospects – Come over here and play in the Summer League on temporary contracts to showcase themselves. Mm -hmm. Because these guys do their thing in a bubble, and the days of, you know, they're not going to throw zillions of dollars at these international players coming in. They have to go through the draft, all the rest of that. But your established veterans that are, you know, in their 20s over there doing their thing that want a shot. This is the perfect showcase and there's not a whole lot of that going on. I'd like to see that next. And I think if the if the Summer League continues to grow in size and scope and notoriety, I think you'll start to attract that. I don't know, you know, from an insurance standpoint and, and contract wise how that'll work out, but I could see it becoming a component.
8: We'll make it like the world baseball classic. No,
7: don't don't start. Well that's, that's a- that's just bad
8: have your international guys playing against these younger guys their prospects these young guys having it a a tournament format
7: well the problem is and and yes the usa won it this year but it's been the best essentially from the rest of the world playing against a marginal talent on the american team yeah now this year america got good pitching you know, from Marcus Stroman stands out in my head. He's a national hero, and now he's hurt himself, which mm-hmm. which is why those guys didn't want to play in the first place. But the World Baseball Classic, I was glad to finally see it get some traction this year. Um, they just have mangled that. It's been bungled from jump, and there wasn't enough made of it, and the U.S. just didn't do anything to help. Yeah. Um,
8: But could basketball do something, like you were saying, with the international players? Maybe they have you know, some of the guys that are in the pro leagues, they they represent their country and these NBA teams, and they kind of.
9: Well, hold on. It seems like you guys have switched to trying to fix the summer league. No, 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 no. No, don't misunderstand. But but I I guess the point I was trying to make is if you're going to make it, you know, trying to make the summer league more of a big thing than it's always been, this year is the year to do it. Because that draft, this past year and the previous year's draft, but particularly this one, is as deep as anyone we've seen in a long time. Maybe not the LeBron James jump off the page at number one pick or the Kevin Durant, but Dennis Smith is tearing up the summer league. Like they're already calling him the face of the you know the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And you got players like one through twenty five. They're just taking turns scoring over 20 points, and it's good basketball. That's the one thing. I don't watch it that much because it is what it is. It's summer league, but you watch it, it's solid basketball.
7: Without a doubt, and that's what I'm saying. I don't need it necessarily to be turned in. I don't want it to be turned into something it's not. You're talking about the World Baseball Classic. That's what
8: I I thought. No. try to turn it into something
7: it's not. No, 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 no. no. What I'm saying is just – This is a showcase. This is a job interview for a lot of people. I mean, it's a tune-up for guys that were drafted that are going to be on the rosters for certain. You've got your second-year players down there. It's time for them to, you know, grow a little bit. But what I'm looking at is that you have the rest of the rosters rounded out by, you know, folks that are close. Yeah. What you're not seeing is guys that are playing professionally in Europe – You're not seeing a whole lot of those guys. I think that some of those, you know, there's a limited window for these European players and nobody seems to be too interested in them after they're about 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. There's got to be some mid-career guys over in Europe that feel like, I can go to the US, I can play in the best basketball league in the world. And I would, up until now, this year, you said this year it's, it's kind of grown in stature. A lot of that's attributable to the draft class a lot of it just is because it's accessible you've got a couple of different networks that are running these games and it's easy to find on the dial the other piece is that all of the teams have their own summer league team so there's a lot of things that have sort of lined for this but what i was saying is if it continues to grow in stature and it is a thing i would think that it would attract and people would be trying to be trying to figure out how they can make their way onto a roster. Well,
9: and many times it's not like the 80s where I knew every single player's name in the league. You know, I mean, I hate to date myself, even in the 90s. And it's not just the fringe players that are just on the cusp of getting in, but it's the players that are in that could potentially make, be making their name – for a, ma- a name for themselves, maybe not being a superstar, but a star. I take – you know, Caleb Swanigan with the Blazers. Who's he ins- looked
7: really good, by the like, way. Like,
9: he's making a name for yep. himself. Like, he's branding himself. Mm-hmm. And as long as he's scoring 15 points and you know, 11 rebounds, getting his team into the, quote-unquote, Vegas Finals. Stop! Um, <laughs> as long as he's doing it and he's making a name for himself and it's entertaining and it's quality basketball – Then I got no problem
7: with it. I'm just not going to tune in for every one, you know? No, no, no. no. And nor do I. What I do want is sort of, I want to see every team. And that's why I've just set it in DVR. So no matter where it comes on on the dial, I've got it. And every time I look at my folder, I'm like, God, that's a lot of games. (laughs) But no, I want to get through. And I'm not really concerned. The difference with, uh, it would be easy to draw a corollary between. NBA Summer League and Major League Baseball spring training. But the difference here is is that this is quality. This is a good product. Mm-hmm. Spring training baseball, no. Mm-hmm. It's not a good product, and the vets are there mailing it in. They want to get their one at bat, and then they're going to sit. And it's the games aren't managed like they would be in the regular season. It's just sort of – you know, going through the motions, trying to work on things, get tuned up. You hit it, Brandon. This is quality basketball. This is as good as anything you're going to see short of NBA basketball. And really, truly, it may be a superior product than than a lot of regular season NBA basketball, where guys mailing it in. I'm enjoying it. I don't need ESPN to add value to it at all well to
9: Trent's point yeah what if he goes up against Chris Paul is your point it's not to me because Dennis Smith Jr. who like tore by him <laughs> in the summer league game the other day get he's used as, to that he's as quality as any guard you're gonna see for the most part in the NBA he's got some grow, you know some growing to do it's the, the, it's the one after another it's oh I got to play against Chris Paul. Now it's Kyrie Irvin. Now it's you Damian name, Lillard. Damian Lillard. You go down the you go down the entire line. Oh, I got to play against Seth Curry. It's the one after the other that's going to be the difference. That's why you're going to see a lot of these rookies hitting the wall.
6: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
12: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
1: Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army Strong in the Army Reserve.
13: Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero mucho. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit habitat.org to donate today.
0: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local
1: Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.
2: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV,
4: we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
6: And now... From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins.
7: All right, guys, if you're listening on WBCC 90.5, this is the second half of the show. We do a whole second hour that's out there on WBLZ Sports. And you can always find us on the web on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. Check us out. Check us out on Facebook, Cheap Seat Radio, on Twitter. All of that stuff. And if you want to get in touch with Brandon Atkins, you can get to him by crow.
9: I got an announcement to make. Go ahead, man. Either today or tomorrow, I'm starting my own Twitter account. Shut up. You're making that up. No, it's happening. I've been talked into it. Maybe an Instagram account. but I'm going to dip my toe into the the Twitter. The Twitter sphere. I'm, I'm... I'm... Flummoxed. I'm baffled. I don't even have words. I can't believe. So get ready for that thing to blow oh, up. Oh, man. Because, you know, I'll probably have two followers in
7: another 12 months or so. <laughs>
8: well, I was going to say I'm excited I will have a new follower.
7: I like that. Yes. Yeah. You're yeah. counting on him following you. I've he hadn't. Been dying. He's going to set up the account. I don't know if he can figure out how to follow anybody. <laughs> but I do have a feeling that you've got somebody that will help you manage that account. Am I correct in my yes. assumption? I yes. I'm might. being handheld. I like that. Like and that.
9: if you guys any have any ideas for Twitter handles, just let me know. Okay.
7: Dude. Oh, I've got some great ideas. I'll I'll hit you with a couple between now and the end of the show. You can
9: reach me at Norse God <laughs>
7: Viking King. I like it. All of that. You can keep it going. God of thunder. All right. So Wimbledon. Yeah. I, I here's here's what I will say. There's a lot to talk about with regard to tennis right now. The NBA, what we've been been told for the last six months is that what sells is parity. Of course, NBA ratings are off the chart where you basically had one team in each conference with a chance to win. Parity is setting in in women's tennis. And if women's tennis isn't already dead, this will kill it. Serena Williams, Venus Williams, both on the downsides of their career. There's nobody really stepped up that's sort of a transformational talent. You had um, Helena Ostapenko win the French. Bless you. Now, Garbine Muguruza beat Serena for the Wimbledon championship.
9: That's my favorite cheese just outside of Manchego
7: <laughs> is the Muguruza. The Moogaroos is very underrated, and I like mine with prosciutto. (laughs) Absolutely.
8: And Prosecco. (laughs) And
7: Prosecco. And Scorpion rum sauce. That's that's how you do that on a pretzel bun. We just went all (laughs) antipasto. All
9: (laughs) antipasto. on the show. Oh, wait a minute.
7: No, but I was there when you and I both added a word to our vocabulary. What was that? The charcuterie? Yeah, charcuterie. What is B Dubs going to add a charcuterie to its menu? Do you not know what that is? I have
8: no
2: idea I was what
7: is. I, I'm ashamed at this point because now a charcuterie is a meat and cheese plate. Oh. And Smoke and Barrel. Jeff Towson was in here not too long ago. They were the first ones in town to to bill it as a charcuterie. And remember, we were sitting there. We went in to see the Cubs it's game. good, yeah. Game seven of the World Series. And the kitchen was closed. But as happens when you travel with Brandon Atkins, the chef is there. Randall's like, no problem, guys. I'll hook you up a charcuterie. And no, we're but... like, hmm, I'll take mine with ketchup, please. What? <laughs> <laughs> And he brings out this meat and cheese tray that was unbelievable. And I think uh Muguruza was, on the, um, it was, <laughs> was on the plate. it was. But no, we, was it we a big got this in a long platter. It might as well have been. Actually it was he served it on a on a wood like cutting board, yeah, uh, which is kinda fancy. how they do it over there. It was cool. It's fancy. But meat and cheese plate is what I would have called that, because I'm an old southern guy. Uh charcuterie. Charcuterie. Charcuterie is the is the appropriate vernacular there but yeah that was cool um <laughs> we're talking about cheese <laughs> What's, oh my god i
8: thought that was the uh, third episode of the sharknado uh <laughs> a charcuterie came
9: did you see haverti in the doubles match
7: no <laughs> all right let's get off the cheese oh you're killing me uh, here's my thing you've got these folks that are coming out of nowhere and they're good stories um Venus Williams being upset when it was sort of a foregone conclusion she was going to win this tournament with Serena out having a baby.
9: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, it was Venus's tournament to lose, and she managed to lose it. But when you start stacking these sort of unknown champions together, that equates to parity, which is what people are asking for in the NBA. It doesn't sell. In America, in particular, we like greatness. We like dominance. And, and we've had that for a long time with the, with the sisters. Well, we have. and Spoiled. We, well, we are. And Serena Williams, to me, I'm going to make a statement, and I want to see how you guys feel about it. Turn your sexism off. Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of the 21st century, Period. I'm
9: not going to argue with it.
7: Trent?
8: No, she's got to be on the list. Definitely on the list.
7: Here's my thinking, too. And and the, the snap judgment that a lot of people would have was, well, she wouldn't be able to beat a man. That's insane. She would be able to. No. Uh, yeah. She would be able to. She would not be able to. Uh, how ba- How many sets... Would Roger Federer don't compare Ser- to no, no 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 wait a minute wait a minute how many sets would Roger Federer and Serena Williams have to play before Serena would even win a point?
9: You can't compare her to Federer. He's like easily the best okay. tennis player that's ever lived.
7: John McEnroe got in trouble a couple weeks ago. Because in his book, he states that Serena Williams is the greatest women's tennis player of all time. And the the NPR interview that followed while he was on his book tour, he was called out for that and said, well, yeah, she is the best women's tennis player of all time. And the interviewer asked her, well, why not just say she's the greatest? And he said something to the effect of she'd be ranked 300 on the men's tour. My problem, she cannot beat a good pro man. It's yeah, see, a completely different game. She can. No, she can't. The the serve speeds are similar.
9: Chris, I'll let you make your point, but I got a lot of tennis in my family. Serena
7: has said herself it's a completely different game and she could not compete. And there's been whispers, well why didn't she play in a men's tournament? And she has said herself she doesn't play in a she wouldn't want to play in a men's tournament cuz she likes to win. Well, but she, here's the. It, I'm not, but, but, wait I a minute. Just, I don't, you, you, you haven't figured out where I'm going with this. Yeah. Shit. And I'll let you go, but there's a
9: difference from between playing Federer and Nadal and then number 50 in men's.
7: She okay. could beat a top 50 player in men's. Maybe. No doubt. Okay. I'm going to say Serena is the number one athlete in the 21st century, period. The argument that you guys chose not to make and left me here to argue with myself, which is kind of awkward, is that she could not beat Roger Federer. Roger Federer may be the second or third best athlete of the 21st century, but here's the way I was thinking about this, and this is the point I wanted to make. Who's the best boxer in the 21st century? Conor McGregor. (laughs) It's Floyd Mayweather, and there's no argument to be made, right? However, what would happen if Floyd Mayweather fought any heavyweight? He'd get destroyed. So we can say definitively Floyd Mayweather, best boxer, maybe in history, but certainly of the 21st century. But then we have other boxers that he could not compete with Usain Bolt. Oh, Usain Bolt? Yeah. Oh, I'd say he's, he's got right, there. right
8: there. And yeah, absolutely. Feltz. What about Michael Phelps? I'm, I'm with
7: you. But we're talking about Serena right now yeah. and that's where my my it took me a while to kind of come to grips with that because I've always looked at it and looked at it. remember when Annika Sorenstam was out there you know wrecking shop on the LPGA tour yep. and the knock was yeah but she can't beat the guys. Well she plays the people she competes with and she was that dominant. Serena the same thing. Serena's done things nobody else has ever done and her skill set is no doubt timeless. You know, in some sports, if you look at it, golf being a prime example, can you really compare Tiger to Jack Nicklaus or Bobby Jones? Eh, I don't know, because the equipment's different. But if you put them out there with the same equipment, Tiger and Jack, who knows? I'd love to see that showdown. If you look at baseball, baseball's become a year-round thing where guys are actually working out, they're training, so on and so forth. So they're bigger, stronger, faster than their predecessors. Football, same situation. But when you look at tennis, Serena Williams, by my estimation, would beat the brakes off of any women's tennis player throughout history. And she would still be that dominant.
9: One thing that really nobody talks about openly because I I really don't know why. One of the things that I feel like really illustrates Serena's greatness is that Venus would be talked about as one of the best women's tennis players had it not been for her own sister. Just think about how many she would have won. I really expected her to win this last one. But, you know, anything can happen in one of these, you know, Wimbledon or whatever the case may be. But just think about how many Venus would have taken down had Serena not been around. Venus would have been up there with the Chris Everett's and everybody else.
7: Agreed. 100%. And the fact that Venus was there for her to have to compete with, I think, compounds her greatness. Now, Serena's a little crazy. Oh, a lot crazy. (laughs) But she's going to be raising a baby, too. Just think about that. Hearing the conversations about Federer, though, and, and you know, what Federer did this past weekend was amazing. Winning Wimbledon without dropping a set the entire tournament hadn't been done since, I think, 76 when Borg did it. That's amazing. And to do it at 35 years old, I think Federer, we'd had this conversation before and it never kind of made it onto the show. Roger Federer is the best men's tennis player of all time. Yep, now, now he is. when I look at Serena, I think that the distance between her and Margaret Court and Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett Lloyd and the rest of those is a whole lot more than it is between Federer and Pete Sampras or Jimmy Connors or Bjorn Borg or, or, or even Rafael Nadal. That's why when I look at it, I'm at this point in my life. I can say Serena's the best ever, and I'm gonna call her the best athlete of the 21st century, bar none. I'm gonna put her atop the top of the mountain. I know what saves a women's tennis. The
9: Sharapova comes back from her. Don't go
0: anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything.
11: the v foundation and board member robin roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research
10: jim valvano's greatest legacy is the v foundation you can help join the fight give the gift of time we need passion we need teamwork and momentum The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
11: Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out
2: how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam, I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of.
4: At DAV, we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
3: I'm CeCe. My
5: victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to
5: From the Sheep's
7: All right, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central Carolina on WBCC 90.5 and around the world on the WBLZ Sports Network. I got to have a drink for my dead homies. Oh. <laughs> the Buffalo Sports Network, BSN 716, is now defunct. I don't think i told you that yet, Trent. No. But yeah, they're gone. Huh. It's a shame. It only took us about two weeks to kill that <laughs> well, station. I think we were brought in, and we were, we were sort of an emergency, I don't know.
8: Man, I think it was because I ratted him out for smelling like Cheerios. I wasn't
7: ratting them out. That's a selling point, brother. They, the Chamber of Commerce, there's got to be pitching that to everybody. Oh. And the Economic Development Council. I'm it was the Polo Bears, though. <laughs> that's what sunk them. So anyway. Huh. In Central Carolina, ninety point five WDCC FM, or around the world on WBLZ. Download the WBLZ Sports app, and you can listen to WBLZ all day long.
9: So now that they're gone, I can go on and on about how the Sabers suck, right?
7: I, I suppose you could
8: wide right. I wide do right. Think, I do
7: <laughs> think that in an honor of of BSN we still ought to do a Buffalo Minute periodically. Yeah. We'll come up with a musical accompaniment. We'll hook that up. We gotta do that. Trent, you're in charge of that. We'll hook, we'll make it happen. Gotcha. So we were talking before the break about Serena Williams, her place in history, women's tennis. Roger Federer, man, he, he's a he's a machine. And just when you think he's done, he comes back and blows the doors off everything. And it was interesting for an uh, an athlete as accomplished as he is to talk about how motivated he was after last year's Wimbledon and that he basically used that feeling for a whole year and talked about how he wanted to enjoy this entire year being the men's champion of Wimbledon. Being able to find that kind of motivation and, and harness it I guess is what separates Roger Federer from mere mortals.
8: Yeah, even after he's won so much. Be right? to, it's like he's never won it before. You know, he's using that to win it. It's
7: so do you incredible. agree Roger Federer is the greatest men's tennis player of all time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brandon, are yeah. you on board with that? Yeah, I mean, it was even already you probably— think Serena could beat him.
9: I didn't say that. Hmm. I feel like you need to go out and watch a live tennis match. That's
7: what I think you need to do, Crystal Lambert. I think we need to play a live tennis match, and I'll beat the brakes off of you. you okay,
9: doing? and then we'll turn around and hit a basketball court and see how you fare
7: there. Oh, all right. I got this. Um, and then as a tiebreaker, we'll do the Buffalo Wild Wings Wild, – Wild Wing Challenge. Blazing
8: Challenge. The Blazing
7: Challenge. That's what it's called. All right. Let's see how many mediums you can eat, Chris. <laughs> I'll be
9: taking you down. Son. It's on man it's on I do we, we want should have our wings. own reality
7: show man we just challenge each other every week I like it yeah we should do
9: that I can let's do it. that I can I can eat a lot of wings I just can't eat a lot of hot wings I can't do the what it the what well, was it
7: scorpion
8: <laughs> yeah scorpion rum or uh blazing
7: so when no, you guys trot something out like when you guys try something out like scorpion rum. Is there ever, like, in the kitchen, do y'all have, like, a, a behind-the-scenes, back-room challenge amongst the staff? Does anything like that happen?
8: Sometimes we do. We do definitely uh, – we we try it. And usually the first person who tries it, they, they play pretty uh, cool about it just so like uh-huh. everyone else – and then we just get a good chuckle.
7: I'm getting it. I'm getting a like a street fighter vibe here, man. Where it's, you know, running around and there's bets going on and it's the, the underground wing circuit. I like it. We should make a movie about that. It'd be cool. And the yeah, kitchen, Jean-Claude Van Damme would be the
9: The kitchen yeah. doors get kicked in and it's Krista Lambert. It's like a you know, kinda like a I don't know, kind of dark alley knife fight with Krista Lambert just shoving wing sauce down his I, I would
7: definitely have to have walk-up music for that. I'm going to go with. Um, I say the Chicken Dance.
9: <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
7: I can dig it. That I would was, be the best I was thinking guy. Walk by Pantera, but the Chicken Dance will will have to do. So tennis, Roger Federer. I cut you off.
9: No, we had already almost gotten to the point where he was the best because we did the numbers on this. Yes. Already before this was Wimbledon. Close. And then now he's won Wimbledon and didn't drop a set. It's pretty clear cut now. You can't well,
7: argue against it. And the question is, and, and what you and I had talked about before, was how close was Nadal? Nadal, it's it's interesting to see contemporaries because over the last 30, or, 30 years or so, it's basically been one guy dominating tennis in succession. Nadal came on – as a specialist and has created a more well-rounded game. And when you look at the total numbers, they're more impressive than I thought they were going into our conversation. I thought, ah, you know, Nadal, whatever. Nadal seems to be on the downside already though and Federer is still doing his thing. So as long as he maintains that separation from Nadal, I think I think it's indisputable. Well, and as long as Djokovic
9: is kind of like in yeah, la la land yeah. somewhere like I mean, there was a there was a span of about 3 years where he was just killing everybody. Yes. And for some reason, something's gotten in his head and it's allowed these guys like Nadal and Federer to kind of regain their confidence or something.
7: Well, when while Federer is, you know, taking a loss at Wimbledon, Harnessing it as motivation and spending a whole year fixated on it. Djokovic is out in the Mediterranean partying like the consummate European playboy. That's his shtick. That's what he does. The champagne parties, you know, that's his deal. And his game has suffered for it.
8: And you guys haven't even mentioned the number one ranked men's tennis player right now. Andy Andy, Murray. Andy Murray. Andy Murray.
9: He's so boring though. Man. He is. He's boring. He's I so mean, British. He what? just only in Wimbledon does he actually really get any play
7: cuz he's got the home crowd.
8: But what would have happened if Nadal didn't have all those years with uh injury issues?
7: What if Tiger didn't have all those years with injury issues? Yeah. It's part of the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the equation. You've got to you got to show up. Yeah. If, and I agree. Yeah, Nadal's had the injury issues and It's just mounted and mounted and mounted. And I think Nadal's on the downside at this point.
9: What's the saying? The best ability you can have is availability. There you go. You know, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. How many
7: more of those do you have? (laughs) That was it. (laughs) All right. So you said something interesting when we started talking about greatest athletes. And you threw out two guys, Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. If somebody were to argue with me about the greatest athlete of the 21st century and say, no, it's not Serena, the one I would be most likely to accept would be Usain Bolt. And there's a good reason for that. Here's my thinking with Usain Bolt. Serena Williams is the best tennis player in the world. However, of the – how many people are on the planet planet now? Seven billion? Does that sound right? I don't know. Somebody, Let me check my
8: followers ago. on Twitter so it's
7: there's a, seven billion people on the planet how many of them have ever played competitive tennis what per, I mean throw a percentage competitive? is it two, two percent one percent half a percent got no clue that, not many right mm-hmm. yeah. so the sphere of greatness for a tennis player is relatively small given the general populace right mm-hmm Usain Bolt, however, is the best at something everybody's done. Mm -hmm. Throughout all of human history, nobody has run faster than Usain Bolt. I've never seen you run, Chris. So I'll just have to take your word for it. So now we're going to do the 40-yard dash against one another, of course, (laughs) out in the parking lot as soon as we finish. Get, get Schleprock out there to go mark off a, a route for us. He's never seen me run. He's never seen me trying to get to Buffalo Wild when he's <laughs> So Usain Bolt, I guess the issue at this point is that the Olympics really only rise into our consciousness once every four years. And in between, what's Usain Bolt doing?
8: Well, there's got to be other – there's other events throughout, I mean. Are there? But uh, I, I would assume, I mean. <laughs> no, there are. There's the, there's I have the, no idea.
7: There's the Grand Prix Tour and all that stuff, and they have the other competitions. But to well, the casual – Has he done enough, though? Is his body of work, you
9: know, every four uh, years, what, for the last 12 years? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So is yeah, his body won... of work – has his body of work put him in the same stratosphere as a Venus Williams – Uh, No, I'm sorry, Serena Williams or Michael Phelps?
7: That's my question. Because what I'm saying is, is that as a sports fan, more than a casual fan, the only time I see Usain Bolt on my television, or that I'm seeking out information about Usain Bolt, is every four years during the Summer Olympics. So I can't say this guy's the greatest athlete in the world because I don't even know what he's doing the what? other four years at a time. Well, and his events are, he, there's not that many
9: events. Like Michael Phelps has 23 gold medals. That's a lot of gold medals. 23. He's got 28 overall, which means, you know, very rarely has he finished outside of the bronze, right? So that means pretty much any time dude shows up, he's getting gold.
8: Well, I don't know if he's ever finished the bronze. Well, that's I my point. He's always won a medal. That's
9: my point. So only five times has he ever swum in an event
7: in the Olympics in which he did not take gold. That's pretty pretty high praise you're throwing out there. Those are some superlative examples you're giving. You can finish your thought after what. WBCC, head on over to SoundCloud and check out the rest of the show.
6: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed Completely against my will. Solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
12: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
1: Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army Strong in the Army Reserve.
13: Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit habitat.org to donate today.
0: You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your
1: local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.
2: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV,
4: we're on a mission. Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
6: And now... From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert
5: and Brandon Atkins.
7: All right, thanks, Greta, for bringing us in. Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent hanging out. We've been talking about the greatest athletes in the 21st century and maybe the history of all sports. But Michael Phelps' name was dropped into the conversation. 23 gold medals. This guy has been phenomenal. And who knows, he may show up at the next Olympics. I don't know what he's doing. Here's my issue with Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is like 6'6". He's cut up like a legit Norse god. (laughs) He's obviously a dominant athlete. But when I look at this kid, I'm like, I could beat this dude up. Which is probably not true at all. Hold up. You know, you know he's 6'4", right? That's what I was just saying. He's enormous. Okay. And he would kill me. But when I look at him, he's just got this goofiness about him. And I'm like, I could take this guy.
9: You know his nickname's the Baltimore
7: Bullet and the Flying Fish, right? Nobody's ever called me the Baltimore Bullet.
9: If you get your behind whooped by the Flying Fish, we might have to cancel
7: all future golf dates. I'm just saying. But Tell me I'm wrong, though. When you look at him, isn't there just a goofiness there? Yeah, I guess. Um, and that's why I can't look and say I'm going to put Michael Phelps out there as the greatest athlete of all time. I can't pull the trigger. I think you're talking about first Olympics
9: Michael Phelps because last, last Michael Phelps, he's, he's a man. You know he's 32 years old now, so he's probably got one more Olympics left in him where he's going to – Probably show
7: up and win fifteen
9: gold. Well, medals. he'll swim in a lot of relays and do the butterfly. Yeah, which he just dominates everybody in the world. Uh, he there's no reason why he wouldn't continue to dominate. But he turned in kind of you know he had that little weed incident, <laughs> which
7: <laughs> little, got him some street cred that actually you know knocked out the goofy bit a little bit. But come on, when you when you're rich like that, you got to have good sense, man. You got to have good sense. I tell you who's not Rich on my Rich people list. smoke weed too, I, son. I get you. But poor people smoke weed all the time and don't get caught. They don't put it on social media. They don't have people taking photos. Johnny Manziel with the rolled up, you know, $20 bill. What are you doing? You're an idiot. It doesn't have to be on social media for it to have happened. I agree. Johnny Manziel. So he's not on the list of all-time greatest athletes. I still think he is, but do you really, Johnny yeah. Manziel? All right, and he's right. Where to see? Where does he fit on that list? Not Johnny Manziel. To... <laughs>
9: not Johnny Manziel.
7: <laughs> no, no, no. Here's my question: okay. Johnny Manziel or Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo Anthony, who's Who's higher? Yeah, who's higher on the list of all-time greatest? Well, it athletes. depends on your definition of high. Johnny Manziel is higher, and
9: depending on how you define high, Carmelo Anthony is a much, obviously, a better athlete, better at his craft. So,
7: okay, did Johnny Manziel's got a Heisman Trophy? Um, Melo's got a national championship. I like it. I like it. Here's the thing. Carmelo, all of the talk for the last 10 days or so is that he is willing to waive his no-trade clause to go to Cleveland or to Houston. Yep. Now, frankly, Cleveland can't bring him in without blowing up that team because Kevin Love would have to be in the deal. They just don't have the money to do You it.
9: couldn't trade Shumpert straight up
7: for him? Is that no, what you're saying? But I'll tell you what. Some of the proposals I've seen out there online for Carmelo Anthony to go – Places other than Houston or Cleveland are kind of bizarre because it basically is a six-pack of Schlitz and free car wash tokens to get him off the books. And I don't think the Knicks... The Knicks have to get something of value. But what that deal looks like and how many teams are involved really isn't important to me. The Knicks would do well to get rid of him and get value, and Houston you got to give it a try. Chris Paul and James Harden, with the bucket of bolts they've got right now, I don't think can challenge Golden State. Bring in Carmelo and give it a run. You've got a limited window anyway. Chris Paul's not a young whippersnapper. Come on and make that run. Bring the excitement. Or Carmelo can... Continue to stay in New York and languish in relative obscurity. If it's possible to be if it's possible to be obscure in New York City, but my question with Carmelo
9: Wait a minute, they just signed Luke amut which <laughs> when I'm, I first my, so when I, day,
7: but yeah, okay. I,
9: when I first saw that I thought they had
7: signed three different players. <laughs> Here, Carmelo, for years we've talked about this guy being one of the top ten, maybe even one of the top five ball players in the NBA. Yep. How many playoff series has he won in his entire career?
9: I don't know. It's not very many. No. One, two. One.
7: Oh, two. two. The the uh, Nuggets went to the Western Confer- Western Conference Finals. I'm struggling. I've been a a long time today. Went to the Western Conference Finals. Other than that, he's never made it out of round one. He is kind of maybe the Tony Romo of the NBA. You know, great numbers, looks good, give you some highlight stuff, but when it comes time, he's not going to elevate the play of those folks around him. I like the idea of him going to the Rockets if he's willing to accept the role to be an ISO score, which has always ever been in the NBA, but to do it as the second or third option in the offense. If he's willing to do that, it's a matchup nightmare. You've got three legitimately super offensive players on that team. Who, who can stop them? Short of Golden State. Who's not really going to stop them. They're just going to outscore them. I need, I need desperately for Houston to go get Carmelo. I want to see that. It would
9: certainly make it entertaining. Like, I mean, just the Petri dish of from a, like, up above seeing how they work together. I mean, they can score. But for me, it makes an entertaining regular season team and not much else. Because then you run into a team, like Golden State, people sleep on their defense. They absolutely slept on their defense last year. Yeah, the Rockets, all of a sudden they're entertaining. They can fill it up during the regular season. But they don't do squat in the playoffs.
7: Wait a minute now. Houston was a win away from going to the Western Conference Finals. And what did their star do? I got you. What I'm saying is now, you take – Two more top shelf, legit stars in the NBA and add it to James Harden. I want to see it. And I'm not going to, you know, predict that they're going to beat Golden State. I'm not going to predict that they're going to do anything. I want to see it. I want to see if Mike Dantoni can make this work with three, for lack of a better word, selfish offensive ball players. Can he make that work? Because the firepower, it, it might be unprecedented.
9: Chris, you played basketball before. Organized high school, right? Yeah. Basketball. Have you ever been on a team, even if it's pickup, where you got like three guys who once they get the ball, you never see it again? Of Have course. Have you ever been one of those teams? And I'm just taking a wild guess. I was one you were of those in- guys. Okay. There you go. Well, then – S-s- the for the rest of us who are out there, glue guys in there, mixing it up, <laughs> rebounding, scrappy guys that do all the other things, you start to lose interest. You like you see it go out to Kristen Lambert, well, that's going up. Maybe I'll box out a little bit more because I know Chris can't shoot that well, and i can get pad my stats on the rebounds. But I'm only kidding, but the rest No, of the I team, think that
7: really was the thought process going
9: on. The the rest <laughs> of the team starts to go to sleep. Look at what happened, you know, I know we're kind of regional in North Carolina. Dennis Smith Jr. at NC State essentially got Godfried fired because he promised him the world. Dennis Smith never saw a shot that he didn't like and the rest of the team were like, "Why are we even here?" Now, Dennis Smith Jr went into Cameron Indoor and lit Duke up and beat them, but that's just one game. You put that mellow on that team, all of a sudden you they're high five and they're the stars. What happens to the rest of the team chemistry? That would be my only good question. And when you get
7: into the playoffs, that's when you need it. That may absolutely be the way it plays out. And I think if it did, it would be very predictable. And you take three guys who, if you look at their college careers – and you look at their NBA careers up to this point, haven't won anything. James Harden Nada. left ASU after two years, didn't win anything there, didn't win anything in OKC, hasn't won anything in Houston. Chris Paul, Wake Forest, what'd they do while he was there? Nothing. They were good, but then didn't really do anything. But what I'm saying is, where are the rings? Where are the championships? Now, Carmelo does have the ring from Syracuse. And to be honest, we've kind of forgotten how great a year he had in that national championship run because it's one of the greatest performances by a college player ever, by my estimation. Right. That Syracuse team that year wasn't very good. And Carmelo literally carried them to a national championship. They had some but good you've pieces. Got, but then he comes to the NBA. Well, of course they had pieces. I mean, well, you have had, to have four other guys out on there. They had Warwick.
9: They had McNamara, McNamara, what was his name? <laughs> he's the one that shot the three-point win game winner, jumped up on the scores table, and they're like, "Oop, yep, that was after the buzzer. <laughs> Sorry,
7: get down. <laughs> Carmelo, since he's been in the NBA, though, hasn't won a thing. And he's made this so enormous me, sh- career – as a scorer. Let me ask you a question,
9: Chris. All right. He hasn't won anything, right? Yep. All of our superstars get ridiculed if they don't win anything, right? But Why, why is he getting a pass?
7: I don't know. I don't know. We look at it, and it, it's become an expectation with him that, well, yeah, Camaro, Carmelo's not going to carry his team, not going to elevate the guys around him, but that's okay because Carmelo's great. Yeah, I don't true. understand. Like we talked about it yesterday, he's the drunk uncle at the party. People are like, oh, that's just Carmelo.
9: It's Frank. He ain't going to play no defense. He's harmless. Everybody loves Frank. Hey, y'all, watch this. Frank's about to do something (laughs) stupid in the backyard. Hold my beer. You know, if LeBron tries to do anything like that, he gets killed.
7: Carmelo, no problem. I got you. And I don't know collectively why our expectations for Carmelo are what they are. But he gets a pass. We'll figure it out on the other
0: side. Don't go
6: anywhere,
0: we'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the US Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at
11: GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
10: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now there's not a moment to lose
11: every dollar counts every day counts to find
2: out how you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org my name is bobby i'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb my victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion
3: i'm sam i'm a veteran my victory was finding a career that i could be proud of
2: at
4: dav we're on a mission Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
5: Welcome back to From the Chiefs.
7: All right, welcome back to the cheap seats. Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols hanging out. We're talking about Carmelo Anthony, and there are a lot of NBA players over the course of history who've not won an NBA championship who still get to be in that pantheon. Some of them have gotten very, very close. Charles Barkley comes to mind, Carl mm-hmm. Malone, John Stockton. Yep. I think part of it is is that you look at their contemporaries. With Stockton and Malone, it's easy to say, well, they had to get through Jordan's Bulls, so they get a pass. You look in other cases where guys never had enough talent around them. I'm looking at you, Allen Iverson. You know, Iverson was the heart and soul of the team wherever he went, and just couldn't get any help. With Carmelo, he's had talent around him. He came into the league with LeBron in the same draft at the top of that same draft. Their career trajectories have both been upward, but LeBron's just on a completely different level. And I think the fact that Carmelo hasn't even really challenged for a championship is what bothers me. And maybe it's just the way he carries himself. I don't know the guy. I don't know how passionate he is i don't know how fiery he is but when i watch him it appears as though he is going through the motions well you brought up something yesterday that i
9: thought was interesting you were talking about until he went and joined a quote-unquote i'm not going to quote you super team you brought up kevin garnett and i was like yeah he didn't really win he was in minnesota and they never really gave him any help Carmelo, Carmelo, with some teams, can make that statement that they didn't give – not all, but some teams, you never gave me any help. But the difference from the outside looking in is Kevin Garnett was always screaming about it, seemed fiery, was openly wanting to win, would give some of his shots up to Paul Pierce in order to the win. Carmelo ain't giving no shots up. Who's he going to give shots up? LeBron James is the only player in the league I think Melo would go, maybe bow down to in terms of all right, I'll 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 be more, a little more selective with my shots. That's about the only one I can think of.
7: Well, we may get we may get a chance to find out. I mean, if he winds up in Houston, the reports are that he and Chris Paul are thick as thieves, that they're very good friends, and that's what's driving this train. Harden. Harden has it in him to pass up a shot. When he was at OKC, when you had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, first of all, I don't think Oklahoma City realized the magnitude of what they had stumbled into. No. Mm -mm. And I remember saying to a friend of mine who's a, a big basketball fan, I said, you do realize that three of the best 15 players in the NBA are on that team? And he laughed at me. Said so Harden isn't even close to that. Harden was willing to be the sixth man and to come in and back up Russell Westbrook and was doing his thing. And when they needed him to, he could come in and microwave it and go off Vinny Johnson on you and, you know, go on a run. I think James Harden played the role that he did this past season because he was asked to. I do think that he can play within a different type game plan he's gonna want to get his but I don't think he sees himself as a guy that has to be a 30 a night guy so Chris Paul obviously is a distributor of the basketball his his upside is not scoring the ball he is whether you like it or not for all of the knocks again him, from a mathematical standpoint probably the most efficient point guard ever when you look in terms of assists and assist-to-steal ratio or assist-to-turnovers ratio, Chris Paul is amazingly efficient. So if you take those two pieces, you add Carmelo, you've really got an interesting dynamic. And then where Houston really struggled last year is any Harden came off the floor, there was a vacuum left.
9: Well, what that tells me, and stick with me on this, is that they're going to have to be a running team next year. And what I'm saying by that is that when the Miami Heat first came together with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and all those guys, Bosh, that first year they had a hard time gelling. And who was going to get theirs? I don't think LeBron was that concerned with it. But what they did is they decided we need more possessions so everybody can get theirs. So they started running more. So with that said, it could be a really entertaining brand of basketball in Houston if they decide they're going to have to because Chris Paul probably is not going to want to go below 10 points per game. Harden surely isn't. You know, Rocket fans want to see him score 50 a game because of what they're paying for him. And then you got Carmelo coming in. You know, he's never seen a shot he doesn't love. So, I mean, it could be – it could make for a very exciting brand of basketball but for me it, it just doesn't translate if you have no defense no fourth really good player on your team which i don't know who else they got but um you really struggle in the playoffs because the offense just doesn't get it get it done you got to have both
7: well mark Dantoni's is the architect of that run and gun offense out in phoenix when Steve Nash had the keys to the car and Sean Marion Amari Stoudemire those guys were putting up huge numbers D'Antoni wants to run and you're absolutely right that's part of the solution just come up with more possessions so that's why I think it can work now again I'm not going to predict that they're going to have success in the playoffs whatever I'm telling you I want to see it because I know that Harden and Chris Paul with everything that Houston gave up This team can't challenge I'm not 100% certain that the team Wasn't better with Beverly and Lou Williams On it than it is with Chris Paul And they couldn't Challenge then But if you add Carmelo to the equation I think it gets really interesting Just think
9: about what you're adding though You're adding a guy who's never won anything Who just got Phil Jackson Fired And Phil Jackson brought a lot of that on (laughs) itself. But he's got more rings than fingers, right? Phil Jackson does. And Melo, it was between him and Phil, and they fired Phil. And now Melo's coming to a team that, like you said, was one game away from being in the Western Conference Finals. Do you really want to add that kind of guy to your squad? That that would be my only question there.
7: With regard to the, the friction between Phil Jackson and Carmelo, I would have been on Team Phil or I was on Team Phil right up until the time he started to have beef with Kristaps Porzingis. You're talking about a legit potential MVP-type guy, and you're going to the press calling him out. If he was willing to do that with that guy, that kind of gives me some different context for the whole thing with Carmelo. So I'll give Carmelo a pass on that. Mm-hmm. Phil Jackson we we we've, we've asked this question on the show before has a successful coach ever failed so miserably as an executive I can't come up with a whole lot of of instances what well, hasn't but this has been horrible haven't hasn't Dan Tony
9: lost teams before in the past where they've turned and He's not them?
7: just lost teams he's lost Carmelo
9: before Well that's my point you got Carmelo and Chris Paul who are thick as thieves on the same team what happens if they you know I can smell mutiny already if they come onto the team it's
7: distinctly possible but given the history between D'Antoni and Carmelo Anthony if Carmelo agrees to go to Houston and knows that D'Antoni's there and is in place I think it speaks to where he's at and what kind of headspace he's in because he knows how it's going to be And he knows everything is not going to revolve around him. And if he's arrived at that place, he can be a legitimate asset.
9: Well, maybe Rockets changed their jerseys to Syracuse Orange and make believe that he's back on Syracuse where he actually knew how to be a little more well-rounded, shall we say. Because as a college player, he was pretty pretty well-rounded. I mean, he was – he was a you thought he was going to be the best player in the league coming coming
7: in. Quite possibly, yeah.
9: And for a while he was top 5, he's not in the top 5 anymore. Would you argue with that? No. And he's on the downside of his career. Yeah. If what coach is going to say, "Hey Carmelo, you need to step it up on defense." It's not going to be Dan Tony. Uh, Dan Tony did
7: before. That was their thing. And I'm telling it maybe there are a million ways this could go badly. But what I'm telling you is, is that with the bugger of bolts that the Houston Rockets are left with after having gutted their team to get Chris Paul there, yeah. Chris Paul, James Harden, and a bunch of scrubs are not going to make any hay. Right. The only chance the Rockets have is to add a third superstar to that. And superstar is probably too strong a word at this point in Carmelo's career, but if you add... An enigmatic star like that, it gets really interesting. I want to see it play out. That's the drama of sports, not something concocted by ESPN, created in a lab. This would be legit. I want to see it. I, I want to see it with my own eyes. Okay, well, I do
9: too. I want to see it. So, hey, you know, just side note. I've as we've been doing research during the show, I saw where Lavar Le- Ball got called out by somebody. You know you've become obnoxious when JJ Watt calls you out. Yeah, when someone who is you just want to say go away, you're too cute, calls you out,
7: you're the problem, right? Yeah, Lavar Ball in all of these conflicts, he's obviously the common denominator. I mean, I didn't mean
9: to start up a whole. Co- I mean, but when JJ Watt calls you out, man, you're you're not a very cool person. No.
7: Man, that's just sad. So, when are your triple Bs coming in the mail? Do you shell out the four ninety-five for those?
9: My, actually, um, I grew up in a family of four kids, and we had—I have two brothers. And when we rolled out, we were called the Killer Bees. You're
6: listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
12: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
1: Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.
13: Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero mucho. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit habitat.org to donate today.
2: My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At
4: DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
6: Now, From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon
7: Atkins. Welcome back to the final half hour From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent, hanging out. We've talked about a little bit of everything today. If you've missed any of it, I promise it's been the best radio ever. Mm-hmm. It's archived over at SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. If you don't have an account, create one. Follow us; we'd really appreciate it. If you were listening to us over earlier on radio and have followed us over to the web, God bless you. We appreciate that. But um, we were talking about Carmelo Anthony. Uh, any final thoughts? I liked what you had to say, Brandon, about the 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 similarity between he and Kevin Garnett. Before Garnett went to the Celtics he was that guy that was going to find a way to get his team into the first round of the playoffs, and they weren't going to do much more than that. Um, when your second option is Wally Zerbiak, that's forgivable. But the guy showed fire on the court. He showed fire anytime he had a microphone in front of his mouth and did his thing. Carmelo has just been the guy that sort of slid through. Right. And – it's been so long that, like we said, it's become an expectation. So nobody, everybody's like, yeah, well, it's just Carmelo.
9: Here's the deal. Unless he gets on Golden State or plays LeBron, with LeBron, he'll never win a ring, ever. It's over. He's, what, 33 years old now?
7: That's a pretty
9: bold statement. Yeah. Unless so I gets... want to
7: make sure I'm, I'm 100% clear. You're on the record as saying unless he goes wherever LeBron's going,
9: or Golden State, which is not going to
7: happen. State. No, I, I can't see them. That that, that component's not going to work in the chemistry there. Here, talking about Cleveland. What the? LeBron's gone. You know that, right? Yeah, I mean, after this season. I, how have they managed to do this? You've got the greatest player in the world... What do you mean, how have they managed to do this? Dan Gilbert, what What are you doing? He put if you're be- going to get into a, a pissing contest with somebody, let it not be with LeBron James. I know,
9: but they put the best team on earth together, and then Golden State got Kevin Durant. What's your answer for that? There's no more Kevin Durants out there. So
7: they're just going to let LeBron walk. Kyrie will go with him eventually.
9: You're right, LeBron's checked out, but what's the guy's name? Dan Gilbert. Yeah, he learned the lesson lesson the hard way last time when he lost LeBron. He didn't get anything for him. He just left, and he's not gonna leave the cupboard bare. So I think Dan Gilbert's like unbelievably crazy. the The deal that he offered what's his name to Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. That was. A slap in the face. So, obviously, he's, cr- he's crazy. But I also see the logic of, well, LeBron's going to leave, and I just need to set my team up the best possible way. Thank you for the championship. It was, it was awesome.
7: So, well, if he was going to set his team up the way he wanted to set it up, he should have shopped LeBron this offseason.
9: I thought he had a no-trade clause, though.
7: He LeBron, wants to LeBron leave calls doesn't. the shots. Okay, like, so what what you're telling me is LeBron is going to what ride out this year, and then at the end of next season, going to walk away, and Cleveland may well get nothing in return. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. No, not nothing.
9: They got a they got an NBA championship out of it.
7: But that's it, and they're going to sit
9: on that. You're talking about Cleveland, right? Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And they were in the finals, again, for the third straight year. Think about what that – you know, when he left, they did a study on what that did to their – Cleveland's economy, just him leaving to go to Miami. He's done what he needed to do for Cleveland. He brought him up championship. Their economy has had to have boomed since he's been back. So, yeah, back to what I was saying. Without being on the team with LeBron – or Golden Golden State, Mellow can't get a ring, and Cleveland's just kind of stuck, you know? I mean, what are they going to do to match up with Golden State? There's no options out there.
7: Wow. That's pretty bleak.
9: <laughs> I mean, really, all that can happen is— So maybe... this was
7: just—you do sit back and enjoy it um, because you don't have any options. You can't pe- compete with Golden State— just let it ride. No, if people get injured. That's, my, that's where I'm going with this, is that, yes, Golden State's got lightning in a bottle right now. They're on top of the world. We know something will happen down the road, whether it's an injury, whether it's infighting, something. There haven't been too many occasions where you've brought together it, did I just say Broughton? You had already Broughton it. <laughs> it's already been Broughton. in.
9: talking about Br- Broughton High School in Raleigh? I, I don't know, man.
7: <laughs> you are tired. I, I. It's been a long day already, and it's not going to get any better, I promise. Apologies to everybody out there that's listening. There haven't been that many occasions when a super team has been constructed in any sport. First of all that it went well. There's been an awful lot of times in in U.S. sports history where we've gone ahead and anointed a team and given them a championship because based on what they looked like on paper, and it didn't come together. The second piece of that is even when it has worked, it hasn't stood the test of time. Look at the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat came together with LeBron James, Chris Bosh, going down there to Miami with Dwayne Wade. What was the last piece of that that made it a legit super team? Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Ray Allen had had enough, bounced up to Boston. But by then, he was a spot-up
9: shooter. I think it's Ray a Ray Allen was
7: nothing more than a spot-up shooter his entire career. That he, is absolutely he from, false.
8: He went from Boston, bounced down to Miami.
7: Let me tell you something. Did, it, did I have it backwards? Yeah. I'm blaming the 4 a.m. call this morning. And if you
9: forget his time with the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, Ray Allen was a baller. I got baller, you. I'm giving you grief. Could
7: get to the rim. Um. So anyway, during his let me let me let me take that back. And I did have it backwards. He did go from Boston to Miami. But by the time he was in the national consciousness on championship-type teams was when he showed up in Boston. He wasn't doing a heck of a lot more than spotting up and shooting. Yes, he was a complete player out in Milwaukee. Nobody ever saw him play. Wasn't he in the movie Above the Rim?
8: Yeah, he, he got game coming out of college. He got, game. he got he he got, game. got he was game. game.
7: He got game.
9: He's in the movies. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's like Peyton – Peyton Manning said at the ESPYs, you know, the women's track and field team, that they're so good that Kevin Durant wants Gymnastics. to play for them next year. Gymnastics. I'm sorry.
11: <laughs> you guys are both sleeping. So Dude.
9: they're so good that Kevin Durant wants to play for their team next yeah. year. Only that can really even the playing field. Because, really, Kevin Durant could have done the same thing and gone to Cleveland that he did with Golden State. He just chose a different team. And that team was pretty much assembled already. That team had already won a national championship, uh, national an NBA Finals championship.
7: Well, talking about good players going to good situations, usually in baseball by this time of year, we have a clear, distinct group of sellers and buyers. Is that a fair statement, yep, Professor? It's time. All right, the American League of the 15 teams in the American League, I think two are legitimately out of this thing. So there are some amazing chases going on right now with players. We saw our first huge domino drop when Carlos Quintana went from the Chicago White Sox cross town over to the Cubs. Yep. Now, they gave up a boatload for him.
8: Their top prospect.
7: And when you look back at what they did to bring in Aroldis Chapman last year, man. The cupboard is bare down on the farm. Now, Carlos Quintana shows up, makes his debut, strikes out 12. I don't think one starting pitcher is enough for Chicago. They've got a lot of issues through that starting rotation, so you have to think if they were willing to make a jump that big that they're going to be willing to go and get another one. And I'm saying right now Kyle Schwarber is on the block what say you
8: I think that's a uh, a pretty real possibility I think that now Theo is kind of turning back into the way he did Boston I mean he built him from scratch went through built a great minor leagues and then all of a sudden to win that championship he had to sell it all and then Boston's now been in that rebuild yes I think the Cubs the the clock is ticking I mean, there's no way five years from now we're going to see a Rizzo, a Bryant, a Russell, a Baez. All those guys are not going to stay, so they're going to do whatever they can to maybe squeeze out one or two more rings, and that's going to be it. But right now, yeah, they're minor league.
7: Well, they don't, they don't it,
8: have anybody left.
7: And Epstein has done a good job. He's he, If anybody's seen the money or the movie Moneyball. Theo Epstein is one of those kids. He's an analytics guy Mm -hmm. and has done a really good job, in particular with established professional talent at the minor league and in the majors, finding those gems and bringing them in and putting them together. Where he hasn't done all that well is drafting and pulling kids out of college. And it showed when he was at Boston and they were not able to retool the system. Time will tell what's going on in Chicago. But when you look at it and you look at the the outflow of prospects out of that system, it's a little scary if you're a Cubs fan. Schwarber, though, I think is an interesting piece. And the Cubs have been rumored looking at Sonny Gray and some other starting pitchers out there. Schwarber is a guy who has legitimately showed he could be a star in the major leagues. This year, he kind of lost his mind. Joe Madden... For all of his uh, you know, successful mad scientist experiments, I think is partly to blame with what's going on with Schwarber. But Schwarber's got Superman-type power, mm-hmm. can do a lot of things. He did tear his knee up, so that takes a little of the value away because he probably can't be an everyday catcher. But I think Schwarber, I think Chicago's ready to move on. And they've shuttled him back down to the minors. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Schwarber included in a package as the principal piece to go get one of these starters because the Cubs, one pitcher, wasn't going to do it. These guys have fallen off the face of the earth, and the starting pitch is just bad in Chicago.
8: Yeah, and I think that Schwarber will be – I think he's more apt to be successful in the American League.
7: I agree. We'll see what Brandon Atkins thinks on the other Don't side of the Don't go
0: anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at
11: GoArmy.com. There's strong and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
10: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose.
11: Every dollar counts, every day counts. To
2: find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion.
3: I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a
4: mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
5: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
4: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to
5: From the Chiefs
7: All right, Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent, coming from Central North Carolina into your ears wherever you're at on the globe. We appreciate you hanging out with us. If you made us this far into the show, let us know what you think. You can reach us on email at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. Find us on Facebook. At From the Cheap Seats, it's at Cheap Seat Radio. Same for Twitter, at Cheap Seat Radio, you can find me at Chris underscore Delambert. Trent, that's T-R-E-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Is yeah. there an underscore in there? Nope. There you go. And Brandon as a, at an as-yet-to-be-determined Twitter handle. I'm so excited about that. I can't yeah. even tell you how. Me too. Now, big news coming because here sometime in the middle of August, it looks as though we're going to add a second show each week. So we're fired up about that. Um, Brandon, you ready for that, brother? Yeah. Perfect. Baseball talk is
9: not my forte, though. Let me tell you, I played played in trivia last Wednesday. Awesome. (laughs) I know the guy that puts on that trivia. He's a dear friend of mine. The the categories were awesome. Then it was baseball.
7: It wasn't baseball.
9: And the whole place blew up. I think you had like three right answers well, collectively.
7: Here's, <laughs> here's what I'll tell you. Is that the statistics say, the, the metrics that came out associated with the MLB All-Star game, were that eight and a half people, eight and a half eight and a half people. Eight and a half <laughs> That's probably accurate. Eight and a half million people watched the All Star Game. I'm going to tell you that based on the trivia results the other night at Libations in Sanford, North Carolina, it was probably closer to eight and a half. Yeah. Because I think of the what well, we had. I think 11 teams. There was one team that knew that Robinson Cano had hit the home run to win the game. That was my team. Um, it was amazing, and. Most of the stuff – in fact, I'm sure you watched the All-Star game. Yep. So you know that they trotted out Tony Perez several different times during the, the uh, broadcast and talked specifically about him when they got to extra innings because Tony Perez, the last player to have hit a home run in extra innings 57 years – I don't know, 50 years ago, 56 years ago, whatever. Um, so that was one of the questions. Prior to last night's game, who was the last all-star to hit a home run in extra innings? Tony Perez. And by the way, I did know that before I put the question together. So, whatever. Not one team. Nobody. Wow. Which says nobody watched because Tony Perez was plastered on screen several times throughout the night, and they talked about it. So that's proof positive. Nobody watched. And this group...
9: At trivia, you have people from all walks of yeah, life. Absolutely. I mean, you great got, cross segment. You got young people, Good. old people, people who work in grocery stores, you got bankers.
7: You got <laughs> shout out to the bankers that won again. Uh, yeah. BBNT, I'm holding it down. BB it's, team BBNT.
8: Sounds like I could have been a a ringer for somebody.
7: You would have you would have killed it. Oh. So Just so just so we can see how good of a ringer. The toughest question, I think, in that category, Babe Ruth hit the first home run in in, in All-Star Game history. Did you know that? No. Okay, he looks well, nervous. You, you I was learn. like, uh. So then you would have no idea who the first National Leaguer was to hit a home run in the All-Star Game. No. You wouldn't have been much help as a ringer then. No. Sorry. For most baseball co- questions, you would have.
9: You would have racked up. That one was pretty hard. Like, I mean,
7: Brandon would prefer that there be a UNC basketball category every week.
9: No, actually, I'm pretty good across the board except for baseball. Gotcha. Baseball. I actually did get three of the baseball questions right, believe me or not. I got Cano, I got Hank Aaron, and there was one
7: other. I don't remember. Maybe it's the Babe so Ruth. Qu- Plus, there was- I drank a lot of whatever that stout was I was drinking. So, did you guys catch any of the U.S. Women's Open this weekend? There was some golf going on. Ooh. You? I did not. You did Sorry. not. Dude, I don't have it in front of me. But about a dozen of the top 20 finishers in the U.S. Women's Open this weekend were South Korean,
8: hmm.
7: which to me, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not, you know, offended. I'm not angry I'm not upset but I am intrigued and I'm intrigued that a a nation as small as South Korea is able to turn out so many high quality female golfers and it's become a thing and and Kaplan is is in Florida this week he'll be in next week and I think we'll we'll talk about it a little bit plus the British Open but I'm I just don't know where this has come from and I want to know, is there an academy system they've got in place? Is it something societally that they've put down and tried to grow women's golf? Or did it happen organically? I don't know. The other piece of it, too, though, is that it doesn't translate across the board because there aren't any prominent South Korean men on the golfing scene. So it's just this weird anomaly. And I, I want to know more about it. Interesting.
8: I thought it... Like in China, I think they outlawed golf courses like you couldn't build anymore. Uh, one I of mean, the top I, I five finishers,
7: story. one of the top five finishers was Chinese yeah um, China is probably Donald just a Trump geography issue. Well it was,
8: it was played a, it was Trump, played at Trump yeah. National and he said he was going to go watch well so maybe Brownie points with South Korea that Donald Trump showed up.
7: Well, they did have um, Choi who finished second was actually an amateur. And probably should have won the tournament. Uh, on 16, she had an issue there, dropped a couple strokes. But yeah, it was just interesting to tune in and see. And I haven't seen anybody sort of peel it apart to talk about where these South Korean female golfers are coming from. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into that. I'm gonna figure out what's going on and what the policy or, or whatever's going on in their society where they've done it and it works because it's obviously working. They're out there smashing folks. Um, yeah, it's interesting.
9: I mean, it could be as simple as why do so many good rugby players come from New Zealand, you know? It could be something that it's just... And you can't really say, well, it's curious because there's no men because, you know, you have lags. Let's say in tennis... For for year we haven't really had. Isner is like the best U.S. men's true tennis player, and we've dominated women's tennis forever.
7: That's an excellent point.
8: Or the thing, the other U.S. women's soccer. Why are we the best in the world at soccer for our women, and yet our men are not even close to the rest of the world?
7: I think with soccer, it's a little bit different, and well, maybe it's not. Nobody else in the world puts as much emphasis on youth soccer programs for girls as America does. It's a game that, for whatever reason, we embraced. And I've, been in co- I've lived all over the country, literally. And I have been in communities where, on particular nights of the week, when youth soccer is going on, the town shut down Mm -hmm. and you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids from age five to about 16 playing organized youth soccer at these enormous complexes and the women's or, or the girls leagues are constructed like that i've also lived all over europe and you have to seek out an opportunity for girls to play there really it's a boy's game wow so it's a completely different animal and i think that may be it now maybe that's something like what's going on in south korea but i think maybe when you when you think about it yes in the u.s there's some emphasis on women's golf when you go to europe europe is a completely different animal you can't just go play golf golf is created and maintained for rich folks
9: well and you look at basically
7: you look at soccer there's a lot of
9: infrastructure and a lot of – there's a channel in which you go and play soccer to get really good. Yes. My example is I have two daughters. One plays soccer. You, if you're going to be really good, you don't even go play high school soccer. Yeah, you, you play on play on club select teams. and
7: play with a club team. You Absolutely. play on club
9: teams. You never even touch a high school field. And then you go – and then there's just tremendous soccer programs at different universities all over the
7: country. Well, and I think to to what Trent was saying is we it's the same path for boys. The difference is is that our boys' infrastructure pales in comparison to what's going on in Europe and in South America, but Europe in particular. You've got Manchester United and your big clubs throughout Europe have academies where they start picking these kids up when they're twelve. Yeah, and they belong to that club and they stay in the system. Now, MLS is trying to do the same thing, but I guess, you know, the U.S. is behind on the men's side, but ahead on the women's side. So it's an interesting thing. My thing with the Korean golfers, and and I don't mean to be silly about this, I wonder if it has to do with physiology. Because Koreans tend to be short relative no 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 I'm, I'm not being funny no, I got something what I'm funny saying to is, is that, that they you know when you look at the average size of a Korean whether it's an athlete or not they're going to be smaller than their Western European and North American counterparts can I tell you why that's funny why is it funny because I was talking about topics for today's show last night
9: my girlfriend says it's because they have small hips. I don't know I mean,
7: I'm just saying. Hips. When you you talking about the women? Yeah, the women, the, That's the South Koreans. They got small hits.
8: They're built more compact.
7: Could be. <laughs> I mean, with the with the with the men, you know, most of your uh, when you think about U.S. men's golfers that are at the top of their game, most of them are long hitters. Most of us are big guys. Yeah. I think that the propensity of a Korean athlete. To be that same size is a lot less. So maybe it has something to do with it. I don't know. It Could Olympic? just be that they're that they're behind us, just like we're behind Europe when it comes to our soccer infrastructure. Maybe that's it. I don't know. It's been great hanging out. Check us out next week. Find us on the web at From the Cheap Seats on SoundCloud. Hit us on Facebook, Twitter, email. You're whatever. To
6: Krista Lambert and Brandon Ackin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life.
12: If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.
1: Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at goarmyreserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.
13: Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Quiero mucho todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit habitat.org to donate today.